You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. You get discouraged. Many times you get discouraged when you're trying to to, to accomplish this burden. Many times you feel downtrodden, and sometimes you go into despair. But the Lord always says, I've called you to this, and I'm going to empower you to do it. See, the Lord will never call you to do something that He doesn't give you the power to do. That's what I love about it. The Lord has called you into something. You can guarantee He will empower you to carry that through. Many of us hesitate when God calls us into ministry, whatever form that ministry may take. You may look at your own abilities and feel like you simply aren't qualified. As Pastor Dave will encourage you in today's message, that's just fine. You aren't qualified on your own, but the good news is that God equips those He calls. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 26 as he begins his message, Obedient to the Call. Today we will specifically be looking at Acts 26, verses 19 through 23. So if you have a Bible, turn in there, Acts 26, verses 19 through 23. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance." For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So has anybody ever heard of Eric Lytle or Eric Liddell? Of course you have. Well, Eric Liddell, or Eric Lytle, I think that's the way you pronounce it, was the winner of the men's 400 meters at the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. Of course you know him, right? But it was his Olympic training style, and it was his racing ability, but even better yet, it was his religious convictions that were depicted in the film Chariots of Fire. A great film, I highly recommend it. But he said something really interesting that is poignant for today's message. He said this, quote, If there is one word that stands out from all others as the key to knowing God, to having his peace and assurance in your life, it is obedience. I thought that was an interesting thing. There's a story about Elizabeth Elliot and her brother, Tom, when they were very small children. Their mother would let Tom play with paper bags that she saved, and afterwards, he had to put them away. One day, she came home and found paper bags strewn all over the kitchen floor, all over the kitchen floor. Tom was in the other room at the piano with his father singing hymns. 
When their mother called him to the kitchen to tidy up, he protested. He said, but mom, I want to sing Jesus loves me, this I know. His father, seated next to him, backed up the boy's mother by saying, it's no good singing God's praises if you're disobedient. To obey is better than sacrifice. The title of today's message is Obedient to the Call. Obedient to the Call. And according to last week's message, what do Abraham, Noah, Moses, Gideon, Jonah, Samuel, Jeremiah, Hosea, the 12 disciples, and Paul have in common? Remember? They were all called by the Lord with a specific purpose. They were all called by the Lord with a specific aim, and they were all called by the Lord with a specific message. And we read throughout Scripture about these men who were called by the Lord to accomplish His purpose. And we said last week, Abraham was called out of the Earl of the Chaldeans to be a father of a nation. You can read that in Genesis 12. Noah was called by the Lord to build an ark in a place where it never rained. You can read that in Genesis 6. Moses was called by God to be a deliverer of the children of Israel from bondage of slavery. We studied that in Exodus 3 and 4. Samuel was called to be a prophet of the Lord in 1 Samuel. And it goes on and on and on. As you read through the Bible, you see these men being called by God for a specific purpose, with a specific aim, and a specific message. Interestingly enough, though, of all these men called by the Lord, all but Jonah have one thing in common. Does anybody know what that is? Obedience. All but Jonah were obedient to the call of the Lord. Jonah was not obedient to the call of the Lord, and we know how that worked out for him. We know how well that went. The Lord indeed calls these men, and excuse me, the Lord called these men and empowered them to do that which he called them to do. They in turn stepped out in obedience and by faith they did what the Lord called them to do. Many of these men are written in the Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith because of their faith that they stepped out in. But as we look at their lives, we can see many different things. We can see mistakes. We can see trials, tribulations, afflictions, and the like. But the one thing that stands out to me is that each one of them completed what the Lord had called them to do. Each one of them completed that which the Lord called them to do. And by faith, they were obedient to the call. They were obedient to the call of God. Those of us those of you who are called by the Lord to go into ministry or to do certain things must know that it will never be an easy road. I don't care what you're doing, whether it's a float, whether it's playing on the worship team, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's washing floors for the Lord, whatever you do for the Lord will not usually be an easy road. There will be problems along the way. People might mock you. People might abandon you. And Satan will thwart every effort that you try to do. He will be right there. But you know, sometimes the Lord himself just might ask you to do something that's really hard. We find that throughout Scripture too. I've been reading just the other day in my daily readings, I've been reading about a man named Hosea, a wonderful, wonderful prophet of the Lord. The Lord asked him to do something that was highly unusual. 
highly, highly unusual. To demonstrate the love he had for Israel and to demonstrate Israel's reaction to the Lord and how Israel went off to other gods, he says, Hosea, go down and take a prostitute as your wife. Hosea did exactly what the Lord asked him to do. Hosea Hosea did exactly what the Lord asked him to do. Why? He relied on the all-compelling power of the Lord's love to carry him through. This is the example we see in the Apostle Paul today as we look at our Scriptures today. We're backing up. We saw last week that the Apostle Paul was called to salvation. And we said that this call is on every person's life. Everyone has a call to salvation. And how you answer that call depends upon how, where you will spend eternity. Answering the call to salvation will help you spend eternity with the Lord. But we saw that Paul was called on the Damascus Road in Acts 26.15. We saw that the Lord called Paul into ministry with a specific purpose. To be a minister and witness of the things he has seen and the things that will be revealed to him. Acts 26.16. We saw Paul being called into a ministry with a specific aim, namely the Gentiles. He says, Jesus says in Acts 26.17, to the Gentiles whom I now send you. But we also learn in Acts 9.15 that Paul was also called to the children of Israel and to kings. And finally, we see Paul being called into ministry with a specific message, and that message was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus told Paul this message was to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Acts 26, 18. This is the effect of the gospel, turning us from darkness to light, taking the blindness off our eyes so that we can see clearly God, the forgiveness of sin, an inheritance sanctified in Christ. In today's message, we're going to get a glimpse at the Apostle Paul's post-conversion life. In other words, what happened after he was converted that day on Damascus Road, after the Lord had called him into ministry. And I see five actions here as the, Paul, as the apostle steps out in faith and obedient to the call of the Lord. They all happen to begin with the letter D. First of all, Paul was not disobedient. Paul was not disobedient. Secondly, Paul did not delay. Thirdly, Paul was somewhat deterred Fourthly, Paul received divine help. And lastly, Paul delivered the message. So as we begin, we see Paul speaking to King Agrippa in verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. To be disobedient simply means to refuse or neglect to obey. Omitting what is commanded. The Greek word here is apathes. And it has a very unusual meaning. It means unpersuadable, haughty, stubborn, obstinate, and unyielding. In other words, Paul was obedient to the point of stubbornness. He was obedient to the point of unyielding to anything else but doing what the Lord had called him to do. He would not yield to the pressures from outside. He only did what the Lord had called him to carry out. He could not be persuaded otherwise. Listen to what F.F. Bruce says about this. Paul knew that the love of Christ is a compelling power in life. 
Where love is the compelling power, there is no sense of strain or conflict or bondage in doing what is right. The man or woman who is compelled by Jesus' love and empowered by his spirit does the will of God from the heart. Where Paul would say from experience where the spirit of the Lord is, there the heart is set free. And the word there is liberty in 2 Corinthians 3.17. So we know Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw that back in Acts 19.15. He was compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. He was truly a man on a mission from God. In fact, Paul thought it a woe against him if he did not preach the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Wow. Interesting. David Guzik said, Paul's ministry was not just a matter of choice or personal ambition. It was something he was called to do, something he had to do. It was not just preacher's itch. He was called to preach and felt compelled to fulfill that call. And this is what a true calling is. A true calling from the Lord becomes a burden. Not this heavy, heavy, heavy burden that you might be thinking about, but a burden that you have to do it. A burden that says, I need to do what the Lord has called me to do. Whether it be witnessing to some person at Wawa, whether it be witnessing to some person on your job, whether it be scrubbing a floor, whatever it is you may be doing, it's a burden that you have to do. And in your heart you know that that is exactly what you have to do because the Lord called you to do it. It's a burden. And you can't get rid of it. It never goes away. A true calling never, ever goes away. Oh, it may wane once in a while, but it never really goes away. It's constantly at you. Constantly at you. Many times, many times you get discouraged. Many times you get discouraged when you're trying to, to, to accomplish this burden. Many times you feel downtrodden and sometimes you go into despair. But the Lord always says, I've called you to this and I'm going to empower you to do it. See, the Lord will never call you to do something that he doesn't give you the power to do. And that's what I love about it. The Lord has called you into something you can guarantee he will empower you to carry that through. I love that. Paul was not disobedient to this call. In fact, in verse 20, we see the next action after Paul's obedience. He didn't delay. He didn't. There was no delay in Paul's action. We read in verse 20, but I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent Turn to God and do the works befitting repentance. We read also, remember, we're rereading now Paul's conversion, which we've already read in Acts 9, which we've already read in Acts 22. So we're really rehashing this. In Acts 9, 20, it says this, Paul immediately preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Immediately he started preaching. Immediately he started doing This compulsion that Paul had to share the gospel with those unsaved, it was his great burden. Why? I think Paul knew that he had received God's mercy. I think Paul knew that he'd received God's gift of grace because Paul knew the biggest fact that we have to all know. He was a sinner. He calls himself the chief of all sinners in Romans. 
Paul knew that in his heart, and he knew he received much grace from God. He knew that he'd been forgiven much. Those that are forgiven much, love much. He knew that he had a lot to be thankful for, and he knew that his life was turning around. He had this compulsion to be driven, if you will. He knew he was forgiven. He was cleansed by the blood. He was blood-bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in the Gospels, gives this parable about two guys. They were in debt to one guy. One of them owed a bunch of denarii, and the other one owed a little denarii. And the guy said, I forgive you both of your debt. And Jesus said, which one, which one really liked the guy more? The one who was only forgiven a little or the one who was forgiven much? Well, and obviously everybody asked him, well, the one who was forgiven much. Exactly. That's Paul. Paul knew he was a sinner. He realized he deserved death. He realized he deserved hell. He realized he didn't have anything in the world that he deserved except separation from God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he knew he was saved. That is a life changer. That changes your life. Get that perspective. That changes your life. Realize what happened, what truly happened in your life. Realize the who, the where, what you were. Realize what you are now, and then think about what you're going to be. It's a life changer. Paul was calling on people to change from a life lived after the flesh to a life lived after the Spirit. And this is what repentance means. It means simply to change. The obvious result of repentance is a changed life. It's the obvious result. Sure, there's sorrow, but it's a godly sorrow. To repent means to change. I change direction from my life, and I turn to God. This is the work that's befitting of repentance. This is the work that Paul talks about. This is what John Corson said. Repentance is changing one's mind. Regeneration is changing one's heart. Redemption is changing one's state. Trading the kingdom of darkness and death for the kingdom of light and life. Interesting. This was Paul's specific message to open their eyes from darkness into light. So we see that Paul was not disobedient to the call, and he did not delay, even though he was deterred, and this is what we see next. Paul was deterred. Look at verse 21. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. The word deter here carries the notion of discouragement. It carries the notion of something or someone preventing you from processing or proceeding in your task. Why did the Jews want to kill Paul? Why did the Jews want to kill Paul? Well, the first reason is because he taught repentance. Was Paul teaching anything different than John the Baptist or Jesus? No. He was teaching repentance. Secondly, because he was going to the Gentiles. The filth of the earth, the Gentiles, the dogs. This is why they wanted to kill him. See, repent wasn't a very popular message back then. Good news for you. Not a very popular message today either. It's not a very popular. What do you mean repent? Most people think they have it all together. Most people think that what they're doing and how they're living is totally okay. I'm okay. You're okay. You live your life. I'll live my life. Whatever works. You know, even if people think or believe in heaven, they think they can get there on their own. Sinner? Me? No way. 
How dare you call me a sinner? How dare you? What do I have to repent of? I believe that the Jews wanting to kill Paul was a plot of Satan's to thwart the progress of the gospel. Just like I told you, anyone who enters into ministry of any sort, anybody who decides that they're going to do something for the Lord, you will have persecution from the evil one. Some things will get in your way, even just coming to church. How many people do you meet on a, every Sunday? How many people do you meet on a daily basis? On, I'm going to go to church. See, the worst thing somebody can tell me when I very first time I see them, and I hear this all the time, and I'm not trying to be glib or, or making a joke about it, but this is serious. People come to church here, and I greet them, and they go, man, I loved it. This was great. I'll be here every Sunday from now on. You never see them again. People make a decision to go to church. What's the first thing that happened? <laughs> what happened to you this morning? How many of you have stories about what you did try to get out of the house? You think that just happened? You think that's just coincidence? Try being in ministry. No. Satan wants to thwart any effort that you have to draw close to Christ. He wants to thwart any effort you have of spreading the gospel. He wants to thwart any effort that you might be doing forward. We have an enemy. You might think that that person who's railing at you is your enemy, but no, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers of the air and darkness that we wrestle against. Anyone who answers the call to ministry will be a target of Satan. They will come and deter your ministry, regardless of what that is. It can either be collectively or it can be, excuse me, either individually or collectively as a church. This is bad news. This is bad news. And somebody is thinking, well, then why would I want to be obedient to the call? Because of the good news. Don't fret, my Christian friends, because here comes the good news. Verse 22a, therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both great and small. Here we see the next action. Paul was divinely helped. Though Paul was deterred, he was discouraged, he was persecuted by the Jews, God helped him. You know what I call this? This is one of those but God statements. This is a but God statement. Yes, Satan tried to best deter me, Paul says, but God helped me. Paul says, I've been persecuted by the Jews for witnessing and encouraging the Gentiles to repent and to believe upon the name Jesus, but God gave me strength to stand. I once was lost, but God saved me, and now I'm found. Paul was standing on the strength of the Lord. He was standing there. He was, he was there. He said, to this day I stand. What are you standing on, Paul? The foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ. Because he is our help, an ever-present help in time of trouble. He is our help. He is the one that we call to in our need. Paul would write to the Ephesians in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is what I see Paul, an example here today, standing strong in the Lord, standing strong in the Lord in his power, his strength. Remember Paul's darkest hour in that dark cell that night? Jesus came to visit him. If good, cheerful. Take courage. You're doing such a good job for me. You are when Jesus left earth following his resurrection, his followers weren't sure what was next. 
They had instructions from their Lord and Savior, but not much else. However, they chose to trust that what Jesus said was true and was going to change their lives. It did. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to minister to the world in ways they'd never have been able to do on their own. Is Jesus asking you to follow His instructions today? Maybe He's only given you a piece of the journey, or maybe He's asking you to wait. Take a cue today from the members of the early church. Trust Jesus to come through with His promises and change your life. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope. We'd like to hear from you and learn how we can be praying for you. So please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series in the book of Acts, you'll find them at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download. And we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, our number is 609-884-5821. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.